Well, we're in our fourth part of Unwrapping Christmas, and uh, if you've missed the other parts, you can go on our website and you can download those. You can even download the notes, so you can have the notes. It's in PDF form. You can uh, <clears throat> take them and just save them on your computer or print them out and listen as you go along, but I was really excited about this Christmas series and not so much about delving into the Christmas story, but unwrapping and looking at the gift that we were given because that is what the story of Christmas is. The story of God giving us the ultimate gift ever. And in this process, we've been unwrapping and attempting to unwrap that gift and see what it was that he gave us, what it was that he revealed to us. And uh, of course, any of y'all that are maybe <clears throat> friends of mine on Facebook, if you're not my Facebook friend, please friend me. I want to be your friend. And... Um, Anyways, but those of y'all that, that saw my post yesterday was kind of off of what we've been launching here. And um, because here at Christmas time, yesterday there were kids everywhere that ran to the tree and tore open the, the wrapping. And there's the undescript kind of normal box. It doesn't have anything on the outside of it. And they pop open the box and they look in it because they've had the list. They know what they've asked for. They're hoping it is. And they open it up and there it is. Socks. Socks. Well, my wife, I'd said that every week. We've talked about that, the, the, the useful but unexciting gift. And guess what? Yesterday I waited my turn. We did all of that. I opened the undescript box, and on the inside was socks. My wife's hilarious. She gave me socks. It was so funny. And, uh, but they are useful. Or there's the other option. My, my, oh, my kids got to have that. And what was funny is we, we, they, my oldest ones asked for iPhones. And so they were, Keenan's phone was pathetic. It was just sad. If he closed it, it would be off for days at a time. And uh, which just for a teenager is, I mean, just almost like depriving them of oxygen. And uh, I mean, it's like, like making his lungs only work half the time. And it was just horrible, and you'd just see him walking around trying to turn that phone on, and he'd get on, and he's like, don't touch it. And uh, anyway, so they'd ask for these iPhones, and uh, they were outside of our, our, our normal budget, so we, we teamed up with uh, Cutie's parents, and we, we, we worked on that to make, to make that happen. But we teased them a little bit, and they opened all their gifts, and they didn't, they wasn't there. And uh, Brooklyn, she doesn't have much of a poker face. I don't know if you know that about Brooklyn. But you just look at her face and you can see what's going on in her, in her head. And uh, so she's trying to be cool about it. She's trying to be all right about it. But you see just some, some sadness. And she saved up some money. She had a backup plan. She's going to buy it herself <laughs> if, uh, if, if she didn't get it for Christmas. But like Keenan said, you know, what's Christmas about anyways if it's not about you giving me an iPhone? And, uh, <laughs> and so... Uh, he was, he was joking. He was joking. And uh, anyways, and so, so the, her, their grandmother had created a, uh, a little scavenger hunt. And they thought Christmas was over and they didn't get it. And then they get the envelopes that have the clues. And then they did. They had the other scenario. They unwrapped the undescript box. And on the inside is exactly what they had asked for. When we look... That's the whole process of this series. Whenever we look at that bundle, whenever we look at Jesus, 
what do we see God giving us? Do we see God giving us something we simply needed and we have, it will be used? You know, those socks will be worn. We need them. We need it covered. Do we see something we simply needed? Or do we see God giving us the ultimate gift ever? Do we go, wow, God, you, you just you went way too far. You gave us Jesus. You gave us heaven's best. When you really did, God, you didn't hold back. You gave us Jesus. How do we look at it? Do we see socks or do we see the ultimate gift ever? We have to make sure that our mindset is, wow, wow, God, you gave us Jesus. Now, the first weeks we looked at, we looked at that when he gave us Jesus, he gave us a king. And how wonderful that is and, and that that comes with a kingdom and, and, and Jesus sitting on the throne in our lives. We looked at the, at the next week about God giving us a, a savior, that he's someone who's going to be with us and save us and, 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 uh, and, and rescue us. The next week we looked at him being given his presence we looked at him giving himself, that he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And then this week, we're looking at the fact that when God gave us Jesus, he gave us a hero. Now, this is something that's different than simply a savior. This is some a hero steps in. Now, we're here in the movie theater. In the movie theater, it's just a timeless place for hero stories. Over and over again, you want to make a blockbuster movie, you make a movie about some kind of a hero. Maybe the, the hapless, accidental hero, maybe the superhero that has the powers, maybe the, the, the guy that, that grows into becoming a hero. But hero stories catch us that right where we are. And see, Luke chapter 2, 11 says, Today in the town of David... A Savior has been born to you, and he is Christ the Lord. Now, see, whenever we look at that term Christ, what is it do we see? Do we understand what it means that our Christ was given to us? See, when we hit the Christmas season, then, you know, at school, my children go to a Christian school, and so they're talking a lot about the, the Christmas story. And a few weeks back, they were discussing it, and... and um, and so they talk about Mary and Joseph and all those things. And we're there at the, at the house one evening, and we're just talking about uh, Mary and Joseph and the Christmas story. And Carson, my youngest one, my seven-year-old, pops up, and he says, You know, I know Mary and Joseph's last name. And I'm like, you do? What's Mary and Joseph's last name? He said, It's Christ. They gave birth to Jesus Christ. Their, their last name is Christ. I was like, Okay, hold up. Um, no, that's not their last name. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is who he is. It is his identity. It is his role that he fulfilled. Any more than when people refer to me as Pastor Brandon, my name's not Pastor. It is an office that I fill. And there was only one that would come and fill the office, the role of Christ, but so many people don't recognize it, and they just kind of roll over it and, and not embrace what it means that we were given a Christ, that we were given this, this person that filled the office of it. And I love it when we look at Luke chapter 4. 
We're just rolling through. We get Luke chapter 2, the, the, the story of Jesus' birth. And just a little bit later, Luke brings in where Jesus describes what it means. And here in Luke chapter 4, it says the, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, to Jesus. <clears throat> Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. We're going to look at that word anointed in just a little bit. Remember that word. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to release the oppressed. Woo, sound like some hero work right there. To proclaim the, the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. Isn't this Joseph's son? See, in 1 John 3, 8, it says the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Moses earlier was talking about that we know that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, guess what? There's somebody who's destroying the Satan's destruction. There's a destroyer that out-destroys. Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. Now, maybe in your life, looking forward, you're like, man, this year there's been some destruction. There's been some stuff that's come in. You know what? When we embrace the role of Christ in our life, we can look at him destroying that. Work in the faith. You don't have to haul that into next year. We embrace what Christ did, and he can set us free. He can save us. He can rescue us. He is our hero in that role. Because, see, Jesus being the Christ, we have to understand this. We see this. We see the hint of it right there at the last part of that Luke passage. But Jesus being the Christ was the most hotly protested claim that Jesus made. It was the most hotly protested. I'm telling you what, his contemporaries, they let him be all sorts of stuff. They let him be a prophet. Sure, we're Israel. We're used to prophets. We'll let you be a good man. We'll let you be a rabbi. We'll let you be a teacher. We'll let you have kind of some weird teaching on something. We'll, we'll, we'll tolerate that. You look at things a little different, we're going to be okay with that. Just don't say you're the Christ. Don't go there. We'll put up with you being everything else, but don't go there. Over there was the most hotly protested claim that he made. Let's look at Matthew 26. It says, but Jesus remained silent, and the high priest said to him, this is here in the, the, <clears throat> the, when Jesus is about to be crucified, says, I charge you under oath by the living God. I tell you what, in their society, they took oaths and swearing big time. Okay? And he is he's making Jesus. He is squeezing it out of him. <clears throat> Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus says, yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, in the future you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. And right there, they're like, that's it. That's all we needed to hear. You've given yourself your own death sentence. You've got to die now. 
you have to die. Now, normally I don't go around and I, somehow I forgot to print it this morning, so forgive me as I read it off my computer. But we, uh, normally I don't go around quoting rock stars as theologians. But every once in a while, one of them gets it right. So we're just going to have to take it on. And uh, we're going to read, um, uh, I'm going to read to you a, a fairly lengthy quote um, by one of the front mans, one of my favorite bands, U2. Um, he grew up, they started out singing, uh, uh, singing Christian stuff, U2, um, Bono is a believer. And he was, he was here and he was confronted with this question in an interview. And uh, <clears throat> he was interviewed by a man named Micah Asaias, and I'm just going to read it. Here's, here's Asaias' question. He says, that's a, that's a great idea, no denying it. Such great hope is wonderful, even though it's close to lunacy in my view. Christ has his rank among the world's great thinkers. See, he's totally cool with that. Jesus is a good thinker. That's fine. I'm cool with that. But son of God, isn't that far-fetched? And he throws that right in Bono's face. Here you go. You, you're going to have to deal with the Christ question. You're going to have to deal with the son of God question. And here's Bono's response. He says, no, it's not far-fetched to me. Look, the secular response to the Christ story always goes like this. He was a great prophet. Obviously a very interesting God. Had a lot to say along the lines of other great prophets, be they Elijah, Muhammad, Buddha, or Confucius. But actually Christ doesn't allow you that. He doesn't let you off the hook. Christ says, no, I'm not saying I'm a teacher. Don't call me a teacher. I'm not saying I'm a prophet. I'm saying I'm the Messiah. That's the Christ. I'm saying I'm God incarnate. And people say, no, no, please just be a prophet. A prophet we can take. You're, you're a bit eccentric. We've had John the Baptist eating locusts and wild honey, and we can handle that. But don't mention the M word, because you know <clears throat> we're going to have to crucify you. And there he goes. No, no. I know you're expecting me to come back with an army and set you free from these creeps. Talk about the Romans. But actually, I am the Messiah. At this point, everyone starts staring at their shoes and say, saying, Oh my God, he's, he's going to keep saying this. So what you're left with is either Christ was who he said he was, the Messiah, or a complete nutcase. I mean, we're talking nutcase on the level of Charles Manson. This man was like some people we've talked about earlier. This man was strapping himself <clears throat> to a bomb and said, the king of the Jews over his head. And as they were putting him on the cross, he was going, okay, martyrdom, here we go. Bring on the pain. I can take it. I'm not joking here. The idea that the entire course of civilization for over half the globe could have its fate changed and turned upside down by a nutcase, for me, that's far-fetched. If only we could t be a little bit more like him, the world would be transformed. When I look at the cross of Christ... What I see all up there is all my stuff. He doesn't say stuff. Different S word. And everyone else's. So I asked myself a question a whole lot of people have asked. Who is this man? And was he who he said he was? Or was he just a religious nut? And there it is. That's the question. And no one can talk you into it or out of it. Bono got it right. He understood it. That is the question. 
That is the dividing thing. There are so many people. You, you can have a conversation with someone who's of the Islamic faith. And they're going to roll with you with Jesus. They're going to be okay with Jesus as a prophet. But not as Christ. Not as Christ. We have to understand who he is as Christ, as the anointed one. See, Luke 22 says, if you are the Christ, they said, tell us. And Jesus answered, if I tell you, you're not going to believe me. Why? Because they had already made their minds up of who they thought he was. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And the people stood watching, and even the rulers sneered at him, and they said, he saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Son of God, the chosen one. And then there's just scripture after scripture after scripture where people are questioning who he is. And, and we're going to jump to John chapter 4. It says, and the, he's dealing with a woman at the well here. And the, the woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. And then we'll see something very interesting here in John 4. It says, and then leaving, just a few verses down, and then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? He already said he was the Christ. She saw him deal in a miraculous way with who she was. And still she questioned whether or not he was the Christ. See, even those closest to Jesus needed to be reminded that he was the Christ. Even those closest to him had to be reminded of this. That's why it was so fitting that Moses sang the song about us being reminded. Because we have to remember. We don't just have a Savior. We have a Christ. We have an anointed one in our lives. And we're going to look at what that means for us. And we have to be reminded of these things. This, this, earlier this week, we went and I <clears throat> took my uh, children skiing. We went with some, some other families and we went skiing. Well, three years ago, my kids went skiing. And they had all gone through lessons and had skied. But it had been three years. So you know what my children did? I paid the extra money and they went through a lesson again. Why? Because them remembering and getting all those vital pieces down was so important so nobody got hurt so they could actually enjoy what was there it was vital that they be reminded we should go over what it means that we have a christ over and over and over again why because this is the decisive point to just go over his teachings and forget that he's the christ then we could fall over into any kind of religion that way we can be something other than christians and still study his teachings and just looking at him as a teacher or a prophet or any of those things. But for us to be Christians, we have to remember that he is our Christ. Well, let's look at Luke chapter 2. It says, and now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. This is, again, I referenced it last week with the baby dedication. It says, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon who was righteous and devout. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. 
Moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom of the law required, and it was bringing him in for his dedication, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory for your people Israel. Now look at this. And the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Here it is. They had already had angels talk to him about what it, who he was. They had already had all of these things. They knew the child that was coming in. But yet when, it was, when this guy prophesied about who Jesus was, it still marveled them. It still astounded them. They had to be reminded of the child that they were carrying. Even when Jesus was 12 years old and stays back in the temple, his mother's like, what's up? What are you doing? You're freaking me out. She's acting like a human mom. She's like, didn't you know I'd have to be about my father's business? You forget who I am? Matthew 11. John the Baptist is the one who first decrees that Jesus is the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. And then John heard in prison what Christ was doing. And he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? Are you the Christ? I know I said it, but really? Seriously? Seriously? Are you? And Jesus replied, in references back to that, the, the prophecy that he read there, that we read in Luke 4. It says, go back and report to John what you see and hear. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. Stay with me. Stay with me. I'm the Christ. I am the one that was to come. See, Christmas is so important for us because it reminds us that our Christ was born. Our Christ was born. We can never, ever forget that. John 20 says, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is what? Is the Christ the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in Him. And then there's some passages in Acts that talk about that what did they preach? What did the early church preach? Well, let's look at Acts 5. It says, day after day, the temple courts from house to house, they went from house to house, they never stopped preaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. That was their message. They went around telling all of the other Jews, Jesus is the one we've been looking for. He is the Christ. Now, why does that carry such weight? Why does him being the Christ, why is that so important? Why do we need to remember this? Because Christ means anointed one or chosen one. Okay, preacher boy, I'm new to this church thing. Um, that just makes no sense. You know, what does that mean? Anointed. I've never even heard that word before outside of church. What does anointed one mean or, or chosen one? Well, let's first let's look at something right quick. Okay? 
And we're going to kind of let the Bible define for us what this word anointed means. Anointed simply means set apart or marked. Anointed also means like rub. That's why we talk about anointing with oil, rubbing it, applying it. Matthew 11, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Yoke. Let's remember that word. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. All right? Let's remember that. Jesus has a yoke and a burden, and it's easy and light. Now, all these people that he was talking to, they knew this, this piece of Isaiah. Now, let's look at Isaiah chapter 10. It says, And it came to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from off your shoulders, and his yoke will be removed <clears throat> off of your neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed. Why? Because of the anointing. Okay, now what Isaiah was talking about is this oppressive king to these people. But this was also a messianic prophecy that when Jesus comes, this oppressive, destructive yoke and burden would be destroyed. Now, again, there you go, preacher. You're using goofy words. What does this yoke and burden mean? Well, we don't, you know, we don't farm anymore as a people, especially not as regular all of us there are people who go and farm they use the big tractors but used to in this day and age they used a they used animals and when they would put this thing called a yoke upon them then that yoke would be this thing that would they would use to control them to make them work they can pull them direct them keep them tied together this yoke set on their shoulders they also you'd see people carrying the the buckets of water around with this thing over there, and it have the little piece of wood. That thing is also referred to as a yoke. And so the yoke is there, and then the burden is attached to it. So you'd have this beast of burden, like a donkey or an ox or something, that was used with a yoke, and to tow something or to carry something or whatnot. That's what these things were used for. So here is this yoke and this burden this thing that is controlling and weighing down in our lives that jesus came to destroy us from now see that is that is exciting for this life while we're still breathing in and out and haven't stepped over into eternity in heaven to know that here we have a Christ. It is wonderful to know that we have a Savior who has opened up heaven for us and has bridged the gap so that we can have life eternal. But you know what? We're still breathing oxygen. We're still here. We're, we have life and death, blessing and cursing set before us every day. Our decisions matter. And that our yoke and our burden can be taken off and we can have His put on us and they're light and easy. And I'm telling you, that is awesome news that we can be set free from that. That is so good that the things that control us and hold us down, that we can be set free from that. I'm telling you, that is what, that is why. That is why Satan comes in. Once we have embraced, once we have embraced Jesus as Savior, and we have placed our faith in him for that, the thing Satan wants to come in and tell us we don't have is a Christ that removes burdens and destroys yokes. That's why you end up with Christians who are believers. Say, I'm just suffering for Jesus. I'm just getting through. 
when he did not create us to do that. He wants to remove that and destroy that off of our lives. Remember, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. See, we can take this to him and say, Jesus, with your anointing, with who you are, remove this from my life. Set me free and put our faith, not just in Christ our Savior, but Christ our Christ. The one who removes that from our life. The thing that keeps controlling. The thing that makes us keep turning right into this same stupid issue over and over again. The thing that makes us turn left and go around this same mountain over and over again. He can destroy that and break it off of our lives and truly let us live free. And the next thing we have to remember is that as Christians, as Christians, God wants to use us in the exact same way god wants to use us in the same way we don't carry the title jesusans jesusites there are plenty of people who will embrace embrace jesus on some level jesus the teacher jesus the messiah i mean jesus the prophet what sets us apart is we embrace jesus the christ and we carry that title christians and we are called to operate in that same way. In your gifting, in your anointing, you will remove burdens and destroy yokes. I have seen people operate and say, okay, well, Brandon, that's easy. You're, you're a pastor. You help people in this spiritual way. I've seen people who operate in that gifting as, well, as an accountant or as a builder or as a photographer or at all these kind of stuff where you just step in and you're like, wow, you, this, there's something different here. There's something different here. There is a weight. There is a burden that is destroyed. It is removed. There's life being breathed in. And God wants to use us in our whole lives. Not just our little Christian lives. In our whole life in that way. See, let's just quickly as we're winding up. Galatians chapter 6. says, brothers, if someone's caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him. But watch yourself or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Why? Because the law of Christ removes burdens. Galatians chapter 5 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You see, the role of Christ over and over again comes back to removing burdens and destroying yokes. Luke chapter 11, Jesus replied, And you experts in the law. Jesus is ticked here. And you experts in the law, woe to you. Because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry. And you yourself will not lift one finger to help them. You know who he's he's hollering at? He's hollering at the most religious people on the planet right there. These are people that went to church. These were people that carried their big Bibles. These were people that did all the churchy stuff, and Jesus is getting all in their face because they're missing the boat. The reason reason that he came wasn't to manifest himself through us to put these weight on people that they can't live up to. He manifests himself to break that off of them. That's why here we refuse to have a judgmental attitude towards anybody. 
We say, come like you are. And I tell you, you get close to Jesus, he will remove the burden and he will destroy the yoke. And we're going to hang out with you long enough to see that happen. We're going to do everything we can to not run you off. So you can hang out in there and God set you free because he's the only one that can do it. So we're going to love you the way you are because we know that this is what Jesus does in people's lives. He's done it in mine. He's done it in lots. See, as we grow in knowing God better, we should trust our king to rule our own kingdoms even more because he sets us free. See, when God gave us Jesus, he really did. He really did give us everything. He gave us everything. He gave us the ultimate gift ever. So this morning, while we're here, I think the greatest Christmas gift we can give God is to embrace his Christ this morning. My wife mentioned it this morning. I mentioned it on the blog today. 